0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Dean Douglas Show. I am so excited for today's episode for a number of reasons. One, my last episode was in May 10th of 2021. I haven't done an episode in almost three years. And surprise, surprise, I had um, our first son was born in February of 2021. So since then, I have been sitting on my hands in terms of just, uh, waiting for when I can record another podcast episode. Obviously have been very busy. And, uh, in that time as well, we also had our second son, um, who was born at the end of June of 2023. So it's been very busy. And thank you to all the podcast (laughs) listeners who have, um, maybe been, uh, forgotten about, but, uh, if you're, Uh, Excited to listen to another episode. I sure am happy to be back and uh, just be back recording episodes. So this is the first one in um, almost three years and it is a really, 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 really cool episode. Um, So my marketing company is Douglas Marketing. I have been contracted by the Woodwackers 2.0, which you'll learn more about in this episode to support with the marketing and communications of a very exciting project, the reopening of the Adra Tunnel, which we'll dive into right away. It is an amazing 1600 foot tunnel along the Kettle Valley Rail Trail, and it's been closed for four decades, and it is very close to reopening, and I've been supporting the reopening of the tunnel in respect to the marketing and communication so i've done uh i've updated and built their new website which is adriatunnel.com um we just created a new facebook and instagram account at adriatunnel and we'll be doing some newsletters um i supported with uh the creation of their most recent press release, uh, contacting media, lining up media, um, interviews at the tunnel, and working in collaboration with a number of amazing people, two of which are with me uh, in this episode, and I will withhold the intros because they... uh, do-it-themselves right in the beginning of this episode. I really hope you enjoy. Uh, welcome back. I hope you enjoy this episode. Thank you so much for your patience, and we'll dive right in. Enjoy. All right, welcome to the podcast. i um, want to do some intros first, so um, I have here with me uh, two gentlemen, and I'm really thankful to be uh, talking with you both today. Um, Craig, why don't you introduce yourself?
1: Hi, I'm uh, Craig Henderson, I live in Naramata for the last oh, 25 years or so, and um, I guess around uh, 2000 I started a KVR bike tour business, just as the Kettle Valley Railway route was being declared part of the Trans-Canada Trail. So I operated that for a few, a few years, uh, offering bicycle tours and shuttling services along the length of the KVR, but based in Naramata. And then the big fire of 2003, the Okanagan Mountain Fire, um, hit the trestles, one of the highlights of the KVR on the Kelowna side, uh, hit those trestles and took 12 of the 18 out. So <laughs> that completed my business, but uh, I still continue to maintain a, a passion for the history of, of the KVR and, um, and thus, uh, you know, my, my strong interest in the Yager tunnel. Awesome. Thank you.
0: And we also have with us, Terry, Terry, welcome to the podcast. If you could, uh, please introduce yourself. Hi, um, my name is Terry Field. Um,
2: I grew up in the Kootenays and have been in Penticton for a few years now, and I am a part of the woodwhackers 2.0 group that are trying to reopen the tunnel. Um, we're an informal uh, group of community members that have come together to put the necessary resources and raise the necessary funds to reopen the tunnel to the public. And I am working with the Woodwhackers and the RDOS and the contractors and uh, just facilitating uh, the work that's being done up there.
0: Acting as a project manager, making sure that it's gonna reopen safely yes yeah yeah. awesome okay well thank you um so maybe we could start by just talking about uh the kettle valley rail trail craig you mentioned uh also known as the kvr could you talk a little bit for those uh who might be listening what the kvr trail is and kind of how it came to
1: be well uh if you want me to go as far back as uh, why the the rail route was established uh uh, maybe i can just to, to provide a little context if you remember your uh, BC History 101, BC said they'll join Confederation with the rest of Canada if a railway link was provided to the rest of the nation. And that was done and opened in the mid-1880s. And, uh, and that was fine, but it seemed to be a lot of mineral growth in the southeast corner of BC. Mineral wealth was being discovered in the east and the west Kootenays, but there was no easy way to get it to market within Canada. So BC is a series of north-south valleys and it's easy to go north-south but not east-west too much. And the established Canadian Pacific Rail Line was much too far north to service these these burgeoning um, uh, mines and get that ore to to market. You could uh, easily put a little line up from the uh, the U.S. and uh, take the richest south, and and that's, that's what was happening. But there was a real concern politically and economically that we were losing control, or the nation was losing control of that corner of Southeast B.C. More surveys were done for railway work to see if they could put uh, a railway north-south in there and all the cost estimates were so high because of the tremendous terrain. Um, but eventually uh, they you know continued to look at it and, and throw money at the problem and decide, well, I guess we can move forward. So uh, starting around 1910, 1911, the first serious surveys were done, uh, hiring, uh, hiring uh, Mr. McCullough is the chief engineer to uh, to take on the pro- project, and uh, and he was the guy. He was the guy that pulled it off on time and on budget. And uh, twelve million dollars was the budget, which seems like a pittance today, but uh, but the uh, you know the work got through, and the completion was done in 1915. So technically, the KVR starts in Midway, BC, not too far out of Rock Creek, between Rock Creek and Greenwood. That was sort of mile zero. And the other end was, well it's it sort of a two-forked end. For a long time it was at hope where it joined the CPR main line, but there was also an opportunity for it to join the CPR main line at Spencer's Bridge in the Fraser Canyon. So so those are the fingers of, of the KVR and it operated in our area, uh, as I said, from about 1915. Well, the, uh, the section through the Coquihalla Canyon, going down to Hope, was closed first in the 50s because it was just too extreme with avalanches and slides to maintain a railway there, continuously having to, to fix things and uh, losses of life from trains going over the edge. So the, uh, the powers of be at the Canadian Pacific Railway, the, the mother corporation of the KVR, closed it in the 50s but continued to operate Spencer's Bridge and slowly different sections broke off as highways started to make inroads into the interior of BC the whole Princeton opening in 1949 is one example and it, you know it was uneconomic to operate the railway we would have all loved to have it saved but uh, but slowly pieces uh, pieces broke off passenger service out of Penticton heading east stopped in 1964 but uh, freight service continued um, Freight service uh, totally stopped out of Penticton. I think it was in the 80s going to Princeton. But, uh, but yeah, so different sections closed off at different times. And for a while it sat there and there was hope that a tourist train could be, uh, could be made uh, into a business case, a business model, but no, never, never uh, came to fruition. So, so, you know, what happens when you, uh, you don't look after something to maintain it, like uh, the infrastructure of a railway, needs? Well, it falls apart and things fall into disrepair and, and get dangerous. So, citizens used to uh, started off, I think, on the Myra Canyon up above Kelowna with, uh, with trying to repair some of those bridges in there as they were uh, deteriorating, but eventually it became uh, a part of a, a regional park and then a provincial park status too. In, in our area, from Naramata to Penticton, um, it was, as I mentioned, part of the designation of the Trans-Canada Trail around 2000 and 2001, so that's what brought it to prominence a bit. Um, Adra Tunnel itself is, as you mentioned, the only tunnel on the KVR. It's 1,600 feet long or about 489 meter, uh, meters. I think Terry can speak to that a bit more, but, uh, um, but you know, it was closed for safety. You I remember the blockades going up in 93. People could still get through because it was an intense, uh, immense darkness, but there was fallen rock inside and, inside, and it was just really not uh, uh, very, very safe inside. And, um, yeah, so that's what brings us today to, to talk about Adra Tunnel because it's, uh, it's long been in our community of Naramata sought as, a, you know, a cool place on the hillside above the village to go and explore. But, uh, you know, we're, we're all excited about the prospect of having it open for recreation. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Thanks for that context. and. Me, I've moved to Penticton only three and a half years ago, so I'm new to the whole region. I think that context is very helpful. Um, One of the first things that I discovered when moving here was the KVR trail. And so you touched on it, it's since been converted to at least from um, more so the, the upkeep and everything has been really good from Penticton. Uh, there's some spotty areas all the way up to Kelowna but it's a really amazing community asset that you know my family uh, uses all the time we go walking hiking biking and uh, and tourists and locals alike get to really enjoy the KBR and um, up along when you are leaving Penticton you go towards Naramata. there's also a stop at Little Tunnel. Can you talk a little bit about Little Tunnel
1: as well before we dive into Adger Tunnel? Oh, well, we sure. It's uh, you know it's got to be one of the most scenic parts of. Uh, what was then the Trans-Canada Trail. I think they've rebranded it to be called the Great Trail now, but essentially still part of a you know, a nationally recognized and maybe even internationally recognized a pathway that connects the country. And that, uh, the little tunnel always seems to be uh, uh, one of the most, uh, one of the best photo ops for, for everything. It's uh, it's quite short in relation to the Adra Tunnel, but uh, tremendously scenic looking over the the valley, and just uh, you know, as an aside, it's uh, the KVR as an operating railway uh, seemed to, over those years of operation, develop a, a sort of a real sense that if a, if a person worked on the KVR, they were really a true railroader because it had the steepest grades, the most dangerous conditions with slides and avalanches and all kinds of surprises at every bend, and lives were lost along it, but. Uh, uh, but so when, when, a, when a person worked the KVR in their career in railroading the 30s, the 40s, the 50s, the 60s, that was a real badge of honor. And and when the railway was closed down, well, that romance remained in a sense. You know, songs were written, books have been written, uh, telling the stories and, and that sort of thing. So I'm, I'm really glad that we have those to draw upon these days, the, the various chronicles and uh, and uh stories from the railroaders of the past but uh yeah but little tunnel um uh, the, the story goes that uh, Andrew McCullough he had to get east from Penticton and connect with Midway and his uh his uh, junior surveyors thought that they would hug Okanagan Lake around to Kelowna and but uh when McCullough looked at those plans he hiked the area himself and determined that uh you know, this is around 1910. That uh, no, there have been met too many, too many bridges and that sort of thing, and and uh, so, uh, so that's when he decided to go on the hillside above Naramata, and on a series of three levels or two switchbacks to uh, to gain elevation, uh, because Shoot uh, Lake, which is the, the summit of uh, of the KVR as it moves eastward, uh, is uh, about 15 miles to crow flies from Penticton, or about 24 kilometers. Um, but if he would have gone straight up the hillside from Penticton, it would have meant a grade of 4.5%, which was not possible for a steam locomotive to do. 2.2% was the maximum grade he could do. So he had to lengthen the railway to, uh, to some distance, to 25 miles instead of that, uh, that 15 as the crow flies, so it essentially makes a big S on the hillside above Naramata. And, uh, and one of those switchbacks, as mentioned, is the semicircular Adra Tunnel. So that was one of uh, Andrew McCullough's. Uh Many famous well, he has about three or four famous engineering marvels along the stretches of the KVR, the Adro Tunnel, the uh, pulling off the 42 kilometers or 25 miles, 26 miles of continuous 2.2 percent grade uh, on the hillside above Naramata. The uh, Summerland Trestle is uh, quite high. I haven't got the figures here, but about 220 feet above the canyon, and it was quite long for a railway bridge of its day. And then the uh, on the Coquihalla River, outside of Hope, there's the um, the quintet othello tunnels that uh, was another marvel of his work in pulling this all off on time and on budget at 12 million dollars but uh, anyway i detracted a lot from your question about little tunnel and uh, it's a great place to sit on the bench and ponder the marvel of of the kvr trail i'll say that yeah and how long is the little tunnel oh gosh it's only about 150 meters right you know, it's, not that, it's not that long you can bike through it in uh, 10 seconds, uh, seconds uh, yes. where <laughs> I wanted much.
0: I wanted to preface before we talk about Adria Tunnel, the Little Tunnel, because it's more of a tourist destination. One, it's open and people can go to it quite easily. And then also piggyback on the excitement around Little Tunnel and how I think once Adria Tunnel opens, it will be um, a very unique, quite different on a grander scale experience of visiting the Adria Tunnel. So now we can talk about Adria Tunnel a little bit more in detail. Um, talk about maybe why and when it was closed and kind of what has happened leading up to present day and then Terry will dive into what you've been working on.
1: Yeah, I, I guess as, as I mentioned earlier, it was because it wasn't maintained. The area, uh, the ravine that runs through where the tunnel had to be blasted at that particular location was always susceptible to, to water pressure. Terry probably has more technical <laughs> terms for it from the engineers he talks to, but uh, the hydrology of it—I I don't know if that's the right word—but it was always a damp place, and water will find dampness through, 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 uh, you know, through uh, creeks and crevices of, uh, of even very hard granite. Um, so maintenance was a key. It was uh, a lot of it was lined in timber, uh, what they call timber cribbing, about 14 by 14, is my estimate and that rots after a while and also burns. And so in my time, in the last 25 years around Naramata, it had suffered uh, two mysterious fires, um, and you know, and that that uh, eventually led to quite a bit of devastation with collapses of the rock. Once the timber's burned and the rock's heated up, there was collapses all through the tunnel. So, so what we're seeing now, I mean, there was hope uh, back 15 years ago, uh, 18 years ago, that a volunteer group in our community of of mostly retired gentlemen, uh, assisted by their their partners in life, would go up and and, and work on improvements to the Kettle Valley Railway Trail, uh, putting in picnic tables and outhouses and that sort of thing. But one of the gems that they that they really uh, picked up on was, wouldn't it be great if the big tunnel was open again? We call it the big tunnel around Aramata. So if, uh, pardon me if I refer to that local name a bit more than the Adra Tunnel. Big and little? Yeah, we usually go with big when it talks about Adra Tunnel. So um, so that uh, that desire to reopen it for recreation has been around a long time, and I, I really appreciate that, uh, that Terry's group has uh, adopted Woodwackers 2.0 because there's not too many of the... Uh, uh, of the old Woodwackers uh, around still. There's a few, but uh, they, they cannot do any work anymore, but they're certainly pleased as punch to see what's happening up on the hill with, uh, with the Woodwackers 2.0. I think one of the great stories too with the building of the KVR was the incredible, incredible um, effort of, of the labor because the mother corporation, from my understanding is CPR, was not too big on letting go some of its equipment to help construct this tunnel. So therefore, Andrew McCullough and the subcontractors he hired to build the thing, they had to mostly build by hand and horse. Um, so uh, the grand historian of the KVR, uh, a, a man by the name of um, Barry Sanford, has said, construction of the KVR between 1912 and 1915, the construction methods used there really had more in common with the construction methods used in the Great Pyramids of Cheops Ke- Ke- uh, in Egypt 5,000 years ago than they have with modern construction methods. Usually it was uh, a man blasting rock, backing up the horses in their carts, hauling the rock away and do it again and move that rock out of the way and then and then continue. But the Adra Tunnel work started around uh, 1913, 16 months of intense work to make this semicircle. And uh, 24 hours a day, there are crews of uh, of three guys switching off, working both ends, trying to meet in the middle. And uh, night and day they would work. uh, And uh, one guy would hold a metal drill rod. A partner would strike it with an eight-pound sledgehammer. And then the third worker would use a pry bar to loosen the rock. And this is the, in the immense darkness with maybe an oil lamp. The air ain't too great way deep in the tunnel. And it's dark and it's dank and it's very slow work, 16 months. And then finally, the two crews met in April of 1914. Um, so it, uh, it was a heck of a lot of work, very manually. And they put the tracks through in May of 1914. And then by June, well, there was a certain incident in Europe because a lot of these workers came from Europe. Um, mostly Eastern Europe were the the the, uh, the sort of the lowest paid of the bunch. Some of the supervisors were from northern countries like Germany or what we now know as Scandinavia. But, uh, but the navvies, as they were called, who would make at best $2.75 a day, then have to pay something back to their contractors for the fantastic room and board they were getting. Uh, my tongue is in my cheek when I say fantastic. Um, they didn't have much left to send back to families in Budapest or Barcelona but uh, but in the summer of 1914 they were starting to leave to head back to Europe because troubles were brewing and what ultimately started in August of 1914, the First World War, no matter what side you were on, men were heading back to, to Europe in 1914 so thank goodness the tunnel had been pushed through before all the troubles had happened. Um, yeah, anyway, I better take a breath and, and let let the interviewer have a turn
0: here. Jane, please. <laughs> no, this is great context. Thank you for sharing. Um, and so um, we'll just skip forward to today. Um, we're recording this in December 2023. And maybe Terry, talk a little bit about Woodwhackers 2.0 and how long you've been involved in the project and kind of where you picked up and where where you're at to date so yeah the woodwhackers 2.0
2: is um yeah a group of community members penticton and naramata and we're trying to honor what the original woodwackers set out to do and reopen the adrid tunnel and really we've come together and we submitted a proposal to the province to get approval to do a feasibility study with an engineer And that took two years, Um, so we got the approval to walk through there, assess the rock fall and come up with a kind of concrete plan, what it would take to restore the tunnel. Then we went into our phase one and we were able to clear all the fallen rock, do another feasibility study with the engineer and uh, get approval from the province to start actually scaling the rock and installing rock bolts. So, I've been involved um, just over a year and a half. Uh, I believe the group's been at it for going on four years now uh, from getting approval and getting a permit to actually working on site. Um, So, and in that, we've uh, had to raise funds to do the work. We don't have any public funding at the moment, it's uh, all community. Fundraised and uh, a lot of businesses in town donating their time and volunteer work and equipment um, from businesses in town and so we've uh, we're a small group and we've rallied to uh, get this thing open. We've hired a company out of Kelowna called TNA Rockworks. Uh, we also have worked with JDS Mining out of Kelowna as well, and they've helped us uh, initiate the restoration process process and um yeah we've made a a, a massive amount of progress in 2023 um in 2022 uh majority of the work was clearing out the the tunnel and then that kind of rolled over into having to raise more funds uh and then we started actually securing the rock and we've secured um 1200 feet of the tunnel and we have 400 feet left so you know we're, we're around the hundred meter mark left to go and um you know we can we can see the end and it's really exciting and um yeah ultimately we want to kind of honor the original woodwackers we want to open this up to the to the community we want to connect Kelowna and Penticton and the Okanagan and bring it together and honor the history and you know it's gonna be a huge impact for tourism and for everyone to experience and create memories and it's in our backyard. So I'm really excited to be a part of this project. I have, my family's from Naramata. I have kind of this nostalgic feeling when I go to Naramata and being a part of this project's been just like, um, just a once in a lifetime for me. So um, it's, it's been amazing to see the community rally and come together there's lots of challenges and hoops to jump through something like this through the province Uh, and we've basically not taken no for an answer and everyone's still showing up after you know year three and year four and showing up every day and we're we're going to get it done and we're very close
0: we're very very close so Awesome. And how are you pulling out that rock? Are you using horse and uh, hand by hand? uh,
2: No, Uh, so we have a a few pieces of equipment. One uh, piece is a 980 cat loader donated by Peter Brothers in town. Uh, And we've cleared out 2000 cubic meters of fallen rock, we estimate. Um, And we also used uh, excavators and bobcats. Uh, but primarily that loader and you just, you go in, you fill the bucket and back out and it took about six months to clear. Wow. And that was all volunteer hours. Wow. So, um, yeah, and then we have been continuing clearing as they work in scale the unstable rock off the walls in the back. Yeah. And uh, so it's probably over 2,000 cubic meters, but that's what it took to clear out to do the feasibility study
0: yeah amazing and we had a chance uh, uh both Terry and I had a chance to go and visit the tunnel uh, he brought me through a tour uh, at the end of October so I actually got to walk through the tunnel with Terry and that was quite the amazing experience Walking through a tunnel is unlike anything else i can't I can't really compare it to anything else um, it's it's quite unique it's cool, it's eerie, it's, um, I I don't know, it's just something that I I feel like people just need to experience, Mm -hmm. and uh, it was quite something, and even since then, you guys have also started to install lighting, and maybe talk a little bit about that, because when I walk through the tunnel in the middle of the day it was pitch black because it uh like craig mentioned is uh like a curved tunnel it's not you can't see the end of it so it yeah. gets dark really quickly um, but you guys are, have already installed started installing some lighting yes so
2: we're gonna have um we started installing motion detected led lights that are going to be powered by solar um, so every 50 feet um as you walk through it, it'll trigger on and it'll stay on for, we think, you know, 30 seconds to three minutes. We're not sure how long. Um, But uh, as you progress through the tunnel, the tunnel will light up. uh, So you'll be able to walk and bike through it safely. Um, But we also wanna still capture that natural eerie kind of tunnel feeling. It's not gonna be this super bright light. It's gonna be natural and um, yeah, but you'll be able to walk through the whole tunnel and and be able to do it safely.
0: Yeah, cool. And when you say you've secured uh secured uh twelve hundred feet, what does that mean to someone that isn't familiar with uh, some terminology? We'll just do some definitions. Yeah.
2: So um there's a series of scaling which you're using um bars to pry unstable rock off. So you sound the rock if it sounds drummy, they call it um it seems loose, then you pry it and scale it down so you leave competent rock. Um, if it uh, sounds solid and tings and then you leave it Uh, so there's a series of scaling first you scale rock down and then um, you install rock bolts which are uh, resin bolts or split sets which are uh, another form of rock bolting Uh, and we also have some areas with mesh Uh, Like you would see on a highway, it's called techo mesh that you drape along the walls. So those are used in areas that are fairly crumbly, uh, not unsafe, but just over time if there is a rock fall, because like Craig said, there's a lot of water in there, so there's a lot of freeze and thaw throughout the winter, which creates more unstable rock and that'll just let it fall to the shoulder into the ditches uh, instead of onto the uh, pathway, which will kind of help with maintenance. So we kind of progress through the tunnel. So there's a hundred meter sections that are fine. We've scaled, and it's just natural, which is great. And then there's area where, you know, there's a lot more mesh and a lot more uh, wire mesh above your head, which allowed the workers to kind of work under a, a safe area. So they progress with a sheet of mesh above their head, do the resin bolts designed by the engineer. And then install another piece of mesh and kind of progress in sections because you always have to work with a safe area above your head right so a series of scaling and rock bolting and and hanging mesh amazing
0: yeah it was really cool because we actually got to see the workers uh, scale some rock when we visited the tunnel and Mm -hmm. that was amazing to see just the the labor that is involved in like the the those guys that are doing that work it's uh, it's quite Something,
2: Yeah, it's it's wild. It's the... It's, like... It's... I, I was up in the basket, and, you know, your adrenaline's, Like, you know the feeling when you're... I don't know if you guys have surfed before, but you get taken by a wave, and you're, like, mother nature. It's, like, you are so vul- vulnerable, and the ocean is, like, this powerful beast. Like, when you're in the tunnel, and you're prying rock, and rock falls down, you have that feeling of, like, wow, I am nothing. Like, this... <laughs> this tunnel is it's just powerful in there and uh these guys are nuts like tna have been they're just such a good group of guys and they're so knowledgeable and so um yeah they're just they're solution based and they've been really helpful for us but they're also you know a little haywire like they and you got to be to do that work (laughs) yeah
0: absolutely yeah yeah that's really cool um (laughs)
1: Yeah, it's a very accessible trail too, you know, I I think back to the late 1990s when Myra Canyon above Kelowna, and it's accessed by by two roads out of Kelowna, so it really became a popular, and still to this day is a very popular uh, destination most popular things to do in Kelowna is go up to Myra Canyon. So over the course of about 14 kilometers uh, you go over um, 18 uh, trestle bridges and through two tunnels. None of those tunnels are as long as our tunnel or as scary or at least (laughs) as exciting as our as our Aedra tunnel. But uh, but this has uh, all the potential to you know to increase uh, visitor enjoyment to to our area. Services like the one I used to offer continue to this day, dropping off cyclists at Chute Lake where uh, you can be taken in a, a van with your bicycle up there and then you can enjoy the 42 kilometer, 2.2 percent descent all the way back to Penticton. You still have to pedal a little bit, but you've got the grade to your advantage. And of course e-bikes are, are everywhere these days too, so the time has really come to uh, to see this tunnel open up for, for all to enjoy. Um, I, I really like the groups planning the uh, Woodwackers 2.0 already sketching out what some of the amenities will be. I mean back in 15 years ago there was no talk of LED lights with, you know the, the, the kind of technology even in lighting that we have today that uh, that uh, will go a long way to light that tunnel. That was a problem when the woodwhackers originally were planning to uh, somehow open it up um, because you do need light if you're going to open it for public safety you said not overdoing the light but uh, other amenities are on the books and uh, and that's why we you know we need to get the word out to uh, to fund some of these things like signage and picnic tables and parking lots and yeah and, uh, and uh, you know and also unfortunately safety things too and in uh, security for the tunnel itself um, it's the backwoods to some degree and some of the users of the backwoods are not all responsible <laughs> and so therefore we have to uh, bolt things down the you odd know, time and And provide some security gates as well for when the tunnel isn't safe and when it needs to be closed at times. Yeah absolutely and maybe talk a little bit
0: more Terry about kind of big vision um, after the tunnel opens what other amenities would you guys like to see up there?
2: Yeah we want to we want to have a feeling like Myra Canyon like the little tunnel you know everyone knows where that is it is a destination spot it's it's we want to cater to everyone, so we want everyone to be able to experience it, no matter what kind of stage of life they're in. You know, if you can't bike, you can drive there. Um, if you're in a wheelchair, you'll be able; it'll be wheelchair accessible. Um, if you're a young kid, there'll be some kids park or you know kids attraction there, whether that be a little bike park or a zip line. Um, you know areas for families to eat and rest and pit stop and um, we want it to be like you'll be able to go experience the tunnel but you'll also be able to experience the view and where it's located looking over you know Okanagan Lake and there's gonna be two parking lots and washrooms and um, you know we, we want it to be
0: be this wow factor and we want it to you know stand out absolutely so there's plans um, as well after the tunnel to uh, for you know community members to support in making those a reality um, yes and so uh, before we wrap up too, I also just want to touch on so we've launched a new website so agent tunnel.com uh, you can follow along the progress of um, the reopening of the tunnel. And we've just launched a Facebook and Instagram account, so we'll be sharing some uh, content through there, just at Adria Tunnel, um, both on Instagram and Facebook. And then we also encourage people to sign up to, there's a newsletter option on the website where we'll be sending out newsletters. We'll also be sending out press releases as needed. Um, We just had a bunch of press coverage uh, in the first couple weeks of December. We still have a couple other um, stories that will be coming out um, shortly uh, with some media outlets as well, which is really exciting. And, yeah, highly encourage people to check out the website. And um, if you feel obliged to support the project at all, it's definitely a community asset that I think future generations will enjoy. And we want to encourage people to support it, whether it's five, ten, twenty dollars or more. Um, you know, every little bit definitely counts. Um, talk maybe a little bit about what is needed to secure the remaining 400 feet, Terry, before you wrap up. Yeah,
2: so we estimate uh, another 300,000 will be needed to make the tunnel safe, uh, finish the lighting, install security gates for closing in certain Mm -hmm. months of the year, uh, and then there will be additional funding needed to make those amenities and the big dream vision a reality, but uh, we're... Calling to action to get three hundred thousand dollars more, uh, and you can donate through the uh, RDOS, who we've partnered with, who've been, you know, such a huge supporter to through the whole process of the, the project. And so you can donate through them. Uh, they can provide uh, a tax receipt for your business. Uh, also, we've teamed up with the Community Foundation, uh, and their link is on our website. You can you can donate there as well,
0: um, and. Yeah. We're very close. Very close. Awesome. Any, any final words or a story or anything that you'd like to share, uh, Craig, before we wrap up?
1: Well, I think it's, it's really doable. I you know in Naramata recently, two years ago, uh, there was the prospect that the community could buy an expansive piece of beach uh, from Naromata Centre. And uh, the target for community uh, donations uh, was $800,000, and then uh, after that, the Regional District. Uh, the regional district of Okanagan Samilkameen or, or RDOS would uh, just, uh, you know, borrow the rest on behalf of the electorate. And, and anyway, uh, as a community, once the momentum got going, we raised a million and fifty. So, so uh, yeah, there's, there's, uh, there's interest in the community. We just need to get that word out and, uh, and then it'll snowball from here. So I'm very optimistic that, uh, that uh, hopefully sometime in 2024 we'll, you know, We'll uh, be cutting a ribbon or something will yeah. very soon anyway. Very yeah.
0: Soon. yeah, and do you want to touch on uh, I- ideal open date or estimated uh, right now? Yeah, we're going to uh, work as long as we can as
2: weather permits up there, so we're going to shoot for another month in January, which we think is enough to make the tunnel safe. Um, then there'll be some other additional things that we'll need to get finished for the province to approve the public to go through but we're hoping spring uh, and when that happens we' we'll, we'll get the people involved up there and uh, you know the original woodwhackers that are still around to come up and do the first walkthrough and then uh, yeah we'll, we'll make everyone uh, aware of that date and we'll get the media up there and we we'll, we'll open her up.
0: Awesome. Well thank you both for. Being on the podcast, really excited to uh, see the Adria Tunnel open. Um, Fingers crossed, knock on wood, in 2024. And uh, thank you both for your time. Great, thanks, Dean. Thank you, Dean. Hi, everyone. Dean here again. Thank you so much for listening to the episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, Please check out, as mentioned in the episode, AdraTunnel.com A-D-R-A-T-U-N-N-E-L dot com and then also be sure to check us out on social media at Adra Tunnel both on Facebook and Instagram and highly encourage again people to check out the subscribe to newsletter option at the bottom of the website and really excited to continue collaborating with uh, Terry and the amazing individuals all involved in this project it's really really cool and uh, it's quite the experience walking through the tunnel. I am really excited for future generations to be able to go up there and experience what it's like and it is just a really really unique experience that I encourage everyone to check out. Um, With that, I'm going to keep this outro short and sweet and just say thank you. I'm really happy to be back again recording podcasts. Um, I have another one lined up in January, so I'm really excited to be doing more podcasts again. And thank you uh, again for your patience and we'll see you at the next episode. Take care.